Hello and thank you for listening to episode 140 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave, this is the Decade of Decadence show for October 2018 and so of course I get to introduce my fellow co-host. He is the man who is known by a very, very select few, quite simply as Thomas. Hello. Oh, okay. (laughs) Hello. Yes, very select for you. Allow me to introduce the man, whether it's Halloween season or not, he's always giving people the willy. Sorry, willies. (laughs) It's Dave. Thank you for that, (laughs) I think. (laughs) Um, Well, Thomas, two people now, two people call you Thomas now. Yes, (laughs) esteemed company of... My mum and Barbara Crampton. <laughs> That's a pretty eclectic mix just between two people right there, mate. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, we will explain it. We won't just leave everybody hang in there. So I went, yeah. to, I went to, to Grimfest, um, shameless plug review on the website, and I got, it was um, arranged, thanks to Laura at Grimfest, big thanks to Laura, that I got to spend some time with Barbara Crampton and interview her. So originally it was going to be um, at her hotel at the bar and then that all changed because she wanted to watch some of the films that were shown at Grimfest. So then it changed to later in the evening at a bar that was just behind the cinema where it was at and they'd got like Grimfest had got the second floor reserved for them. So I went up there and um, I think she got like three interviews scheduled and I was the first one, so I got there first. Uh, and then, yeah, she came in. Uh, I mean, we've interviewed her before, haven't we, for his Picture yes, House? Of and she was, re- you know, she was a pleasure to talk to. Uh, yeah, and she came in and she introduced herself, although, you know, she didn't really need to introduce herself because it's Barbara Crampton. And yeah, and she sat down and she got a glass of wine and she said, Would you like one? And I said, No, thank you. And then she offered me a cocktail. She said, Well, would you like a cocktail? Um, and as great as it would have been to have had a cocktail with Barbara Crampton, unfortunately, I was driving, so... Uh, had and to... you'd already had six. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was slurring my words. <laughs> <laughs> I was already, like, you know, unbuttoning my shirt, uh, <laughs> being leery. <laughs> Typical day. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that was before I had a drink as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she was an absolute pleasure, mate. I had about 10 minutes with her and uh, had a chat. And then after the chat, uh, I got the Grimfest posters. They always have posters. And it was the 10th anniversary of Grimfest this year. Great artwork. And of course, Barbara was in the middle of it. And so I got her to sign one for me. Got her to sign one for you, Tom. And I said, oh, can you sign it to Tom with a H? Uh, and then she proceeded to, to sign it Thomas in full. And then Maybe it's like the mother in her. It, it is. So, uh, yeah, that's here, mate. That will be in a care package that will be winging its way to you once some more, some more stuff has been put in there for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this would be a good time that we could insert that chat. Now, I'm saying this because since I recorded it, I haven't even listened to it. I, I haven't even checked that it did record. Oh, so, <laughs> so I'm saying it is this. Ten minutes of silence. Yeah, and I'll come to edit this tomorrow, and uh, it could well be something else that that goes in there. So fingers crossed, everybody, sort of cross your fingers, and let's hope that right now you're going to hear me have a chat with Barbara Crampton. 
Barbara, not only is it really good to see you here in the UK, yeah. but also at my favourite film festival, Grimfest. Wow, the um, first time here. Yeah, yeah, of course. And where last night they showed Reanimator yeah. as well, which unfortunately I missed. There wasn't there. I'd love to have seen it on the big screen with your oh. introduction. What were you doing? I was, I was prepping for today. Unfortunately, oh. work commitments kept me at home, yeah. but I've made it today. And I'll be here tomorrow as well. Awesome. Um, what's it like to be in 2018 and the love and affection for Reanimator just keeps growing and it gets more fans every year and new generations are finding it? What? Well, thank God. I mean, I, I feel like Reanimator is the movie that gave me my career, but it, 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 it only sort of increases its cult status, as you say, as time goes on. So I feel like... Um, it's it's just given me a platform in the genre and a and a and a safe home to return to at different times when I do other movies that aren't so good. Um, I always have Reanimator, as Larry Fessenden once said to me. He said, you know, we were chatting about different movies, and Larry's worked on so many movies and been a filmmaker for you know thirty five, almost forty years. And he said, you know, you'll always have Reanimator, Barbara. Whatever happens, you always have that. And I'm like. God, he's right. So I, you know, I'm thankful for my first really big film that I did to be so beloved by people and to meet new generations of fans that discover the movie for the first time. And it still holds up. Last night at the screening, there were probably almost half the audience actually hadn't seen the movie. I asked, who hasn't seen the movie? Maybe it wasn't really half. Maybe it was like 30% raise their hands and and then we did like a a, a lineup uh, queue at the end and I was signing some posters and I asked people you know had you seen it before had you seen it and so many people said I had never seen it and I said well does it hold up because it's a 35 year old movie and everybody says yes it feels like it could have been made yesterday even though it's an 80s movie it still felt fresh and you know real and vibrant to them so Gosh, I'm so grateful for that damn movie. <laughs> and it is a classic, and will yeah. always always be a classic. Now, I said before we started recording, uh, myself and Tom, my co-host, mm-hmm. talked to you about five years ago, just after your next came out. And you've been so busy since then as well. Uh, I mean, when we leave here, we're going to see Dead Night right. as well. What can you tell me? What am I, what am I going to see when I watch Dead, Dead Night in about an hour's time? You know... Um, it's played at a few film festivals across the world, and it played at Fright Fest. I feel like the the English audiences really kind of get this movie more than a lot of other audiences do, in a way. Um, it's it's an odd one. It's a it's a home invasion thriller, but also it's a double narrative, and it tells a story of a cabin in the woods and what happens to this family that goes there. And also, there's a true crime reality TV show that we did alongside of it. I'm actually really not part of that aspect of the movie. But it talks about what they think happened to these people that met some, you know, demise and crisis in the woods. And, and, and they play with time a little bit. So the true crime reality TV show is already talking about what happened when it hasn't happened yet oh, okay. because it's sort of futuristic yeah. it works on so many different levels and there's a lot of things going on 
and you, 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 you know, you can't be drunk when you're watching the movie, okay? <laughs> you, you have to be of sound mind and body and, and sort of pay attention. Yeah. And I think some people just don't want to pay attention when they watch <laughs> things. They just, you know, don't want to think or just show me something and have it be easy. But yeah. it's definitely a thinking person's movie. Okay. So just know that going in. Um, I think it's opening in the UK fairly soon. Um, but, you know, you've got to have your wits about you and, and sort of just pay attention. But it, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of over-the-top gore and special effects. And and it's probably my most evil role to oh, date. Wow. <laughs> ah, uh, so that was super fun for me. And it's also, you know, a very colorful movie and in terms of just all the different flavors that it displays on screen at one time. I'm intrigued now. I can't wait to watch it. And, yeah. a, and you've got a third movie showing tomorrow. We've got the new Puppet Master movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was how that for an experience? Because it, obviously coming into a, a, an established franchise as well with the Puppet Master films. Well, I was in the first Puppet of Master. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing is, how this all began was that um, Dallas Saunier, who's the producer of the movie, also did Bone Tomahawk and Brawl and Cell Block 99. And he was on tour with Bone Tomahawk, I think. Or no, maybe he was on tour with another movie. Um, I'll think of the name of it in a minute. Some Kind of Hate. And I was at a film festival. It was the Stanley Film Festival in, um, I think we were in Estes Park, Colorado, at one of the Shining um, hotels. You know, they used three of them in in the movie. But that's where they had this film festival. And Dallas was there with his movie, and I was there with a couple of movies. We Are Still Here was playing, and I think Sunchoke. Anyway, we got we got on very well and became friendly at the film festival. And he is, and so a couple of years later now, he, uh, for a number of years, has been friends with Charlie Band, who was the original producer of Puppet Master and produced um, Reanimator and From Beyond that I was also in. And um, it was his idea to asked Charlie if he could take the Puppet Master movie and do a whole reimagining of it alongside of the existing Puppet Master franchise so that Charlie could have his own, um, you know, string of movies within that franchise and Dallas would start another one. Now, Now, other people have offered Charlie Band some money to take the Puppet Master franchise from him, like... I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but it was somebody like Universal or Warner Brothers or whatever. He said, we'll give you such and such amount of money, and now we own the rights, and you can't make any other puppet masters. And it was quite alluring, because I'm sure they offered him a lot of money, but he always turned it down. But then Dallas, who had come to be a friend of his, and who grew up watching all of his movies, and you know they'd become friends said, this is the deal I want to do with you. You have your own universe, and I have my own universe. That's never been done in Hollywood before, ever, with any franchise. You do your thing. I mean, it just doesn't happen, right? So it's a whole new way of doing a franchise, which is pretty cool. Um, So anyway, uh, Dallas called me up once Charlie said he would agree to the terms and he said look you were in the first one and I want to have some 80s horror people kind of in it 
and also have some comedians because it's over the top funny but it's also really 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 gory and a lot of blood and whatever so he asked me to um, be a tour guide in the Andre Toulon mansion where uh, you know Andre Toulon lived and and you know talk about the murders that took place like 30 years ago these murders that you know anyway they're different murders that have happened <laughs> in other universes puppet master universes so um so i have like a six or seven page monologue in the movie um giving a lot of backstory about it and and um thomas lennon is in it who's very funny and Charlene Yee and Nelson Franklin and Michael Paré is also in the movie. You know, Michael and I are sort of the '80s throwback people. So, um, so that's how that kind of came to be. And also, um, S. Craig Zoller wrote the script for this. Who he also did *Brawl in Cell Block '99* and *Bone Tomahawk*. And I, I think he was going to direct it at one time, and then uh, he had to go off and do another movie. So. So we have um, Sonny Laguna and Tommy Wickland as the directors for it. And they did a movie called Wither, which I think may have played at Grimfest a number of years ago. I don't know. But anyway, I think you guys have seen that. Um, so they were great. And we had a lot of fun. And the movie is so much more gory and funny and outlandish than I even thought it was going to be. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing both of those. Let's say we're going to see Dead Night in a little bit then the Puppet Masters tomorrow. Uh, I know we're pushed for time, and I don't want to make you late for your own introduction. You've got some more introductions to do, uh, some interviews to do. So thank you for giving us a little bit of time. It's oh really, and it's good to meet you in thank the flesh at last after all these years. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your program. And if you didn't, you'd have just heard the noise of a toilet flushing. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should have checked, uh, but... Mm. Yeah, well, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So that was that, that was me and, and Babs, as I know her, <laughs> as I know her now. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we've both got quite a lot of stuff to chat about, mate. So I'm going to chuck it over to you. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'll start. Um, oh, what to start with? God. Um, I'll probably probably my couple of days in London. That seems a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah, it's doing some non-wrestling stuff in London for a change. Because, like, you know, I'm always in London now. Like, that's not much of an exaggeration. <laughs> I'm in, in, I go to London a lot for um, mostly Pro Wrestling Eve as I'm on the crew for that. So it's not mainly that. So uh, Monday and Tuesday, just going to have the opportunity to do some different uh, non-wrestling-related stuff, which was a nice change, nice break. And, uh, yeah, I went down on a Monday after work and uh, went to the Hammersmith Apollo. It's a Ventim Apollo now. It's like... Oh. You probably like, and this isn't an age joke, you probably know it more as a Hammersmith Odeon, I would God, imagine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And my, my generation would know it's a Hammersmith, <laughs> o, um, Hammersmith Apollo, then it was the HMV Apollo, and then obviously for obvious reasons that didn't last long. Um, <laughs> now it's the Eventim Apollo, but it's the Hammersmith Apollo or Odeon. Um, anyway, um, for Roxette. Mm. Pretty much Roxette. <laughs> <laughs> Um, main difference being it's the same guy Per Gessler who was the male singer in Roxette um, and wrote all the songs and I think Marie Fredrickson if I've got that wrong I'm sure Frederick will be jumping up and down um, she was the original singer but she um, had a brain tumour a few years ago and had to retire oh okay 
so basically it's per gisler's band who do tour on his own albums and stuff and do throw in rock set songs in the set list doing a rock set set list so mm-hmm. it was called per gisler's rock set yeah and i was just like when i booked the tickets i was like oh, you know what it's close as i'm gonna get this isn't it so <laughs> And it was, um, yeah, so I got there. I don't know if I've told you this, actually. Got there, and um, I, it was, um, like, doors were at seven, so, and I was up in the um, the circle, the bit at the top. Oh, yeah. Is that right, the circle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't get mixed up. Um, yeah, so I was up at the, in the circle, and I was like, my ticket was second row and quite centred. So I was like, oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's um, good. For some reason, I didn't go straight to my seat. I went up there, and there was this sort of like, I don't know if you've been in there before, but you go upstairs, and there's a big circle looking down to the bar downstairs in the middle of a room, of yeah. this room, and then it's the doors off to the left um, to go into the circle where the seats are. And I didn't go, I don't know why. I didn't wasn't really doing anything, so I was just sat outside there because, like, round the circle is, like, just a big round couch all the way around. And uh, this guy came up to me, worked for the um, Apollo, and just said... Um, Oh, we've got some free um, tickets downstairs. If you don't like, you don't have to swap them. You can just have one of these tickets, and if you prefer your view upstairs, you can just go and back upstairs. Bloody so I was hell! Like, well, I was just like, well, unless you know, like, I'll see where they are. But you know, a lot of the seats downstairs would be a lot better than upstairs. Not, not all of them, obviously, because it goes quite far back. So I was yeah. like, well, I'll go and see where they are. Yeah. So I went back downstairs, and it was like row P, and which was. Um, a huge upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I took I, I took that. I had seats downstairs, and yeah, that was uh, a lot better. And send still all still nice and centered, and uh, had an aisle seat as well. So, but a bit of leg room on one side. So, yeah, that was a, a good start to the evening. All the years I've been to gigs, I have never been upgraded. God no, that's really good. Have you ever been up? Well, you've you've been going to gigs much longer than I have. Have you ever been upgraded to like better seats? Not that I can think of now. Well, yeah, it seems to happen to other people all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so that was nice. And the, yeah, the, the the show was like, well, they started with a look and like dress for success, you know, all the hits you could want. It must have been Love, Dangerous, um, Big L, all the, you know, the hits, Joyride, The Encore, Listen to Your Heart, the, every rock set hit you could possibly want. That's good. And um, the only quibble I had was um, the song "Fade." Do you know the one "Fading Like a Flower"? Probably. Um, and I, I think, like in hindsight, I think I see what they did, but they changed the arrangement of it a little bit. And the original was quite like drums and dun dun, like big guitar intros, and they sort of brought that down a little bit with the guitars. Um, and the, the melody was the same, but they just brought the guitars down. And I was like thinking about it later, and I was just like, that song, it's in its original form, is a little similar to "Listen to Your Heart," right? Okay, with, yeah. like how the drums and the guitars are. So I was like, well, they, well, they probably that maybe that's why. But um, I really like "Fading Like a Flower." And I was just like, ah, I would have liked to have heard it, <laughs> you know, untampered with, but yeah. you know, a minor quibble. Okay. So, uh, sorry, go on. I did catch that. No, it was, it's, I was just I was trying to figure out that bloody song. Then I was just doing a quick search for it online. <laughs> I like to think. Cause it was, it's like, every time I see you, oh, I try to hide away. Yeah, must Roxette are one of those bands, though, aren't they? Where you think, oh, well, I know a couple of the songs. And then you come to hear them and, like, you know loads because they had so many big hits. Oh, God, they had lo- Oh, God, it was just like the whole set list. He threw in a couple of his um, own stuff. Um, it, 
But uh, yeah, it was just like hit after hit after hit, and you're just like, good lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they did one. I guess this was a newer song called "Opportunity Knocks" off one of the, I guess because they were doing albums only up to a few years ago. They were still putting albums out. And it was really good. And I was just like, I, I hadn't heard that before. And I was just like, I don't know when that was from, but yeah, that was also <laughs> really good. So I was going to have to check that album out as well. But no, it, yeah, really, really good show. was hoping for some retro rock set shirts in the uh, merch, but uh, unfortunately not. So I left empty handed from that. Oh. Um, um, I stayed in an Airbnb overnight, um, which was fine, if, if you care. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and then I obviously had um, a lot to do on uh, the Tuesday. First, I went to um, the Tate Modern. Oh, okay. So this was a uh, exhibit called um, the Clock, which is I think it's shown in America and Russia, I think as well. Um, basically, what this guy has done and his team is like every like it's all about time in movies, and I think there's TV shows as well, but. Um, it's about time so his team have looked in films thousands i assume of films for every time there's a clock in the background or in the foreground or the time is mentioned yeah and then they have taken it to this guy who's edited it into a 24 hour long movie oh my god so i got there just after 11 and i mean it was like one minute past 11 um and i walked in and it's like it's just like a cinema screen and there's couches and you can stay in there for as long as you want um and on the screen was a clip from one of the Harry Potter films. And it was a clock on a mantelpiece. And the time was just after like 11 or 11.01. Yeah. And I sat down. There was another clip from another film that was just after 11. Then the next clip was five past 11. And they're like, it was all ed- edited together. And sometimes it jumps back to film. So, like, I was, I was there for just over an hour <laughs> going up to noon, which was obviously high noon was featured a lot. Yeah. As the, as the build up to noon. And like it was kept going back to these films, and then like there was one point where I can't remember which film it was, but it was twenty minutes later it jumped back to like you know the same film and what that character's doing because it, it involved time again. <laughs> and I never realised how much time is shown, you know, clocks or anything are shown on a in a, in movies. That's and, a hell of a project, isn't it, to put together? Yeah, though. that's like huge, uh, um, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, obviously, the Tate Modern's only open till the evening. I know somebody who went between half seven and half eight in the evening. Um, I can't see the Tate Modern being open much later than half eight, but like once a month uh, until uh, January when um, it it's there till um, they do a twenty four hour screening. You can pay like <laughs> nine pounds and you can stay overnight and watch it. Oh god! And it's like I don't like. I was just like. I had other stuff to do in London, so I was just like, well, I don't know how long I would have been stayed if I didn't, you know, like yeah. maybe another like 30, 40 minutes, but then I would have not got bored, but I'm just like, well, okay, I get the idea. Yeah. But I would go back for another hour at some point. So, But it's, if you're in the, if in the area and it's free to get in, um, yeah, just this incredibly immense project. While you were watching it then, were you like – guessing oh that's from that film trying to guess the the title of all the movies then yeah like some of them were were obvious um you know it was just like the most famous scene in my hour was in pulp fiction the flashback scene with christopher walken and the you know talking to bruce willis when he was a kid yeah oh you know this is your father's watch and he hid it up his ass for (laughs) all that time and he died of dysentery then i then i hid it up my ass and he he shows the he just briefly shows the face of the stopwatch to his um to the kid and they must have paused it and zoomed in because it was 11 40 
Bloody hell. That's so, uh, so yeah, some of the clips were like five seconds while someone just looks at the time. Some of them were as long as that scene. Yeah. I think that was probably the longest out of, in my hour was that, because I was like, oh, how long much of this are they going to show? Um, yeah. Another one was like the scene in the first Bad Santa film where Billy Bob Thornton wakes up, his alarm goes off at like quarter past 11 and he throws it to the other side of the room, calls it a piece of shit and all sorts. So, uh, But yeah, no, that's, it's really worth checking out if you're into films and just that sort of thing and just a incredible project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds really good. I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely recommended. I do need to backtrack though because there was one thing I did while I was still in Hammersmith um, before I... Uh, before I left that area, and that was a visit of obviously <laughs> the famous Rick Mayo Memorial Bench. Yes, I saw your picture, mate. Yeah, Brilliant. not adorned with not adorned with pants or anything um, like when you saw it um, a few years ago. But um, I actually walked past it, like looking for it. <laughs> and, uh, but then I was just like, "Oh, there it is." So um, yeah, it was, it was yeah, it was nice to see, you know. Yeah, you've got to do it while you're there. Yeah, I don't think people like walking past or, you know, because it's right on a crossroads, um, really knew what I was doing as I was taking photos of this empty bench. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, uh, that was nice to see. Yeah. Just, like, and that's the first time, I think that's the first time since uh, Rick Mill passed away that I've been in Hammersmith for any reason. Yeah. As far removed from where I normally go to London. But yes, anyway, after that, and I had something to eat, it was time for a couple of movies of a London film festival. Yeah, first of which, and, what, and this was a fucking double bill. The first of which was at Prince Charles Cinema, obviously where we did Samurai Cop. Yeah. Uh, two, and um, it was Mandy, and I know you've seen this. I have seen it, yeah. I have. And I know what you thought of it as well. I talked to <laughs> Tina. <laughs> yeah, uh, wasn't a fan, to be honest. It's, it's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. It's like because Nicolas Cage, Nicolas Cage going nuts. Like even in the worst film, you look at the Wicker Man. That I'm, I'm in. So, but I actually quite enjoyed what they were trying to do with it, though. Like I know, like I won't go into too like into spoilers, but it's about it's a revenge. The director said it's a revenge movie, but it's more about the person who's. You know, not the person seeking revenge. It's the person who is seeking revenge for. And I was just like, I don't know about that, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Because the, the, it follows a title character up to a point, the film, as as you know, and then it sort of follows Nicolas Cage after that. So I didn't really feel it was as about Mandy as much when, you know, it started becoming a Nicolas Cage show. Yeah. But I still enjoyed it and, like, you know... The, the gore and the it was just bonkers. <laughs> oh, I'll give it that. I'll give it that. It is completely bonkers. And some of the shit, Nicholas Nick and Nicholas Cage on coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it got it got all the, like I don't know if it's meant to get the laughs it got when I was watching it. You know, of Nicholas Cage being mad. Um, but yeah, I I did and I did enjoy. It. And where the hell did Bill Duke come from? <laughs> It's just like that's Bill Duke, <laughs> just randomly appearing. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Why the fuck not? But yeah, that was a uh, yeah, that was an experience. Was staggering out of that, and then um, uh, the UK premiere of Suspiria. Uh, oh, nice! Obviously, the remake of Dario Argento's, and I'm calling up the director Luca Guag. Gua- oh Jesus! 
I'm going to have his name in front of me. I need a pronunciation. Go on, Tom. Go on, go for it. Try on IMDb. Scroll up. Luca Guadagnino. Guadagnino. Maybe. He directed... Um... Oh, for fuck's sake. It's all this stuff. <laughs> I've had, you know, it's been in my head all day. Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah. Oh, great film. Great film. Yeah, which is yeah, yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that was something I missed at the cinema when it first came out. But the Odeon, of all places, got a one-off screening of it, so I was managed to see it on a big screen. Yeah, absolutely amazing film. So him, his next project, a fucking Suspiria remake. <laughs> um, I've heard all sorts of things like people saying, "Oh, it's like these like snooty arty type." Of, oh, it's not a remake; it's a response. Like um, <laughs> the uh, the woman who were interviewing the cast at the, before the film started. No, she didn't say response, but I've seen her give an interview where she said, oh, oh, it's not a remake, it's a response. And it's like a, a and all of this sort of other words that start with R that aren't remake. And it's like, <laughs> I'm not being funny. It is totally different, but it's still a remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. Um, so this is going to be divisive, this film. Like, I don't know if you'd like it, Dave, because it's like, it was two and a half hours long. What, where do you stand on the original Suspiria? Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, I like all of Argento's films. I'm not as, like, I think the original's really good, but I'm mm. not a huge Argento fan, so I was open to another, a reinterpretation. That's an R word. Nice. Um, <laughs> of it, of it. And especially with this guy um, uh, doing it. So it's two and a half hours. It's an hour longer than the original. Mm. Um, and obviously, I'm not. you've not seen it, so I'm not going to, bowling spoilers but i will say like it's very it's straight away it's a, like they're it's they're very upfront about it being about witches yeah whereas yeah it was a sort of air quotes twist at the end of the original and it is quite arty in places as you might expect from mm, him yeah um but also it is repulsively like like there was seen the finale the big thing at the end put everything in Mandy in the shade when it comes to fucked upness. It was oh fucked God. up. And like, yeah, absolutely. Cry. I really, really liked it. I do want to see it again as well. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It went off in like, you know, just, it was the same bare bones, you know, dance school, um, witch coven, you know, character names are the same. Yeah. But they, you know, obviously there's, as you've probably heard, it's, there's no real male characters in it. No male members of the, ma- the main male character is Tilda Swinton, like, in, you know, dressed as an ma- old man. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, it's going to be one of those like um, for the hardcore horror fans, it's going to be too arty and long and pondering and all of that sort of thing. Hmm. For mainstream audience, it's fucking messed up. <laughs> So it's going to be that sort of niche, you know, sort of in between sort of thing. But I'd like to, I'd love to see what you thought of it. Um, oh, I'll watch it. I'll definitely watch it, yeah. When it serves, because I've, yeah, I thought it was really good. Um, so I said it was a UK premiere. I'm trying to get for us as quickly as possible. Um, I said it was a UK premiere. I got an email um, the night, the evening before when I was coming down on the train to Roxette saying about their bag policy. I was going to get rid of my bag anyway, just because it, if it needed to, yeah, just it just holds things up. And there's these bag B and Bs. There's one in Leicester Square, so I was just going to dump it there for a fiver. <laughs> yeah, you just you just put it. It's just like a corner shop, and I've got a downstairs bit, and you just leave your bag there. Take a token, yeah. tie one half of a token to a bag, and go off with the other half and come back when you want it. 
which is helpful. Um, yeah, definitely. So, um, and then it said, oh, yeah, just, you know, just speed up access to the red carpet. I was like, red carpet? Oh, <laughs> I'm going in on a red carpet. <laughs> and indeed I was, Dave. Oh, you walked the red carpet. I walked the red carpet. I People were looking at me, and I was just like, haven't you seen Sammy Wycop 2? Looking at me all confused. <laughs> um uh, and uh, no, yeah, that was surreal. Just like, yeah, yeah people look like in series, just like staring at me as I'm walking along with red carpet with my ticket. It's like, well, this is odd. You should have so, just um, walked up to people and like for a selfie. Do you want a picture? <laughs> oh yeah, that would be brilliant. Just like, yeah, just start signing stuff. Yeah, just like my own pen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and my own copies of Samuel Cop too. Just, just, you know. Handing them out as you walk along. Oh god. Um, yeah, I should have done that. Actually, that'd been funny. Um, so, but yeah, like, as I said, the director, he was there. And then as well as uh, Tilda Swinton, Dakota Johnson and Mia Goff were also there. Oh, that's good. So they gave a little intro. They walked right past me on my, where my seat was. I was just like, oh, Dakota Johnson is a, a fine looking woman. <laughs> and Tilda Swinton, I, I just feel like she's one of those people I'd get incredibly nervous around if I've encountered and like properly encountered in real life. Yeah. Because she's so Tilda Swinton, she's yeah. Tilda Swinton. So. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was my uh, couple of days in London. That was really just you that, couldn't really get much different than. Oh God, that's that. like an eventful couple of days to say the yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've still got a few more bits, but that I've, I've talked for a bit. So you go, Dave. Uh, okay then. Keeping it uh, music. You talked about rock set. Mm. Um, how do you feel about cover songs? What's your views on that? Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I don't mind... Well, we've probably covered this in the past on 80s pictures. When I'm at a gig, I don't mind a the odd cover song in a set, you know. I just, you know, just have a bit of fun. Hmm. And um, you've sent me what you, you're going to talk about. Hmm. And um, do, you want, do you want to say what it is well, before we... Yeah, Um Bonfire. I mean, we talked about Bonfire on his Pitch House as well, didn't we? Because yes. we talked about the album Fireworks, and then after that, and then we went to see them, didn't we, in Wolverhampton? We did, yes. Because they yeah. were supporting um, Taketo, weren't they? They were supporting yeah, Taketo. Yeah, that's, and they were really good. They and were, really good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, they've got a new vocalist, new vocalist joined the band a few years ago. What, uh, since we saw them? Since we saw them, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. we saw them with what I say, you know, is, is Bonfire's vocalist. Um, oh okay okay yeah so they've got the new vocalist now and they've released the latest release that they've got is a double album of cover songs a double album a double album of cover songs mate yeah because wow. just yeah one disc is is not enough um <laughs> it's a lot of songs out there that's 32 songs there are on it. Wow. so there's a couple that are on youtube at the moment you can go and listen to them um there's africa um, right. by, by asia is one of them and the other song and this is the one that's sent to you oh, mate. Sorry. Uh, Toto, sorry, okay. is sorry, sorry. I won't edit that out. I'll just look stupid. I don't mind. Uh, is <laughs> Eye of the Tiger? They've done a cover version of Eye of the Tiger. There's also a cover version of Burning Heart on as well. Yeah, I've got. I've just called up on Spotify the album. Um, I'm assuming it's out now. It's out today as we record the 19th oh, well. of October. Yeah. Oh wow! Spotify tells you how long an album is now. This is two hours thirty-six minutes. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm looking at the track listing. Oh, fucking hell! It starts with three Toto songs on the bounce. Yeah. Okay, so the song. Sorry, you asked me. Well, what's the point? <laughs> That's my <laughs> two CDs worth of 
just do some your own stuff. Like do a bonus track maybe of a cover, but two two and a half hours. It's a bit much. Cover version. It? it is a bit much. Yeah. Yeah, and like what you what you sent me the other tiger one, absolutely fine. But what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's a good. It's like if they did that, if they did some of the, I, was, I saw them. I think they played a waterfront. If they came back to the waterfront in Norwich, and I went and they played their songs and like they did some new material off a new album of their own, mm. and then they threw in either Tiger near the end or or in an encore, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, but two hours, mm. thirty six minutes of cover versions. I saw one of the cover versions was Jeff Buckley's um, Hallelujah. Like I don't want to hear an AOR cover version of that. <laughs> Oh, I sort of do in a sick way, but um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So, so where do you stand on? Yeah, I mean, as far as cover versions of songs go, yeah, I don't mind them. I mean, there's like, you know, you know how huge a Kiss fan I am, and Anthrax did a cover version of She, which I prefer to the Kiss version. Yeah, that's a really good. That's yeah, a, that's a cracking cover version. And then like my favourite ABBA song is Eagle, and there's a metal cover of it by a guy called Sergeant Fury. And uh, yeah, I I implore everybody to go and listen to "Eagle" by Sergeant Fury because it's amazing, and that's really good. So you well, know, it's like you, I don't mind if if it was at a gig and they played, you know, songs, old songs, new songs, and they threw in a, a cover song. I wouldn't mind. I mean, this version of "Eye of the Tiger" is it's it's all right. It's nothing great. It's nowhere near as good as the original. Um, Tina listened to it and she said he he didn't attack the song as much as he should have mm-hmm. done you know it, it's a bit sort of it does sound a little bit half-hearted in a way yeah. so but i mean fair, yeah it's a good song you know you're gonna have to go some to to fuck up eye of the tiger i guess but yeah like you did it do we need like a double oh. album of, of cover songs no i did see actually just to get i was looking at them as what they did to bring out a regular album this year called temple of lies mm-hmm. and um so that's well, at least good. Brought out, at least they brought good. out, yeah. At least they're not yeah. just. I think we've my... got a new singer, and we're just going to yeah. do a album. Yeah, I think because I heard that, I listened to that, and my problem is this new vocalist. It doesn't sound like Bonfire to me. And yeah, that, that's, that's a... the problem I've got with him. Yeah, like he sounded fine, but obviously, yeah, you're more um... a bit more old school. Yeah, you are, and you're more into them than than I, mm. and uh, yeah, just cover versions odd yeah, yeah anyway though sticking on music again uh shock announcement a couple of weeks ago Giorgio Moroder announces his first ever live tour yes there was a poster for this outside of uh, Hammersmith Apollo on uh, Monday because he's doing it's going to do four UK dates Birmingham London Glasgow and Manchester um yeah I mean that's like huge news that he's going to be doing, going to be doing that. The thing is, it's like it sounds horrible, but you know, please stay alive until then, so you can do these. Yeah, days. yeah. I looked at him on the poster. Like, oh, because <laughs> Donna so, Summers, got... Donna, Donna Summers appearing on screen because she does. You know, she died in 2012. And I'd be yeah. like, oh, please don't end up with this gig being both of them on a screen because that would be. Yeah, pretty... yeah, it'd, be <laughs> it'd be like what happened with, um, like, I was going to go to uh, the BFI and see John Landis do a who's going to be there uh, doing a Q&A with Coming to America, but ended up him just being a... It was going to be a Skype thing. Oh. So you could potentially just be watching all these artists on Skype or old video. Oh, no. So I assume you've got to go to one. Um, we were thinking about getting tickets. I don't know if tickets are still available. I would think they would sell out pretty quickly. Cause the closest to us is obviously Manchester. Yeah. Um, at time of recording, we haven't got a ticket yet. 
part. Right. I've got to admit, it would be good to go. It would be good to yeah, go. Yeah, 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 it could be fun. But yeah. like, um, you hope, well, it hasn't happened yet. Ticketmaster was supposed to be doing this thing where like you can't resell the tickets on mm-hmm. there. Yeah, that would but be But it good. still hasn't happened. <sighs> it's supposed to be this month and it still hasn't happened. It's got to be, you know, it's got to be face value or below. So yeah. if they actually eventually pull their finger out and do that, you know, there's a good chance of getting one later. Yeah. So if it has sold out, but. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see what yeah, happens with that. Yeah. Um, much like we talked about Escape Plan 2, colon, add mm. whatever you want there, uh, Rambo 5 has got its title now. It's Rambo 5, colon, Last Blood. Which, oh. <laughs> it was pretty obvious, I think, it was going to well, be that. If, they're gonna, if this is going to be the last one, you start Where's with First toilet? Blood. Flash out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sly's been putting pictures up on his Instagram. It's uh, started filming about a week ago now. Uh, the internet's been going a bit mad because it's been, uh, air quotes, the cowboy pictures. <laughs> yeah, which... The back Mountain of Rambo movies. <laughs> yes, which I presume is going to be at the start of the movie where he's at the family farm and he's working on yeah. the farm and, you know, before the Mexican cartel story starts. Which Any, any word on who else is in this? Um, I think there was something I was going to look earlier on. I think there was news the other day about a new member of the cast had been. I added. love it if it's just Stallone playing every character. He's got like a massive fake tash <laughs> thing on a bad Spanish accent with a yeah. That would be good, and he's even playing the the girl that's been kidnapped and everything. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I've got with it, mate, is he doesn't look like Rambo in the pictures I've seen. Now I don't know if it's because he's got short hair. You know, yeah. and previous Rambo films, it's been a long hair. I don't know if it's the fact that, you know, he's 72 now. And even though, you know, he was 62 in the last Rambo movie, he still, you know, you wouldn't spill his pint. He looked hard as fuck. And you still wouldn't still spill his pint now, age 72. But there's something about the look. He doesn't, he looks like Sly. He doesn't look like yeah. Rambo. Where the other ones, you know what I mean? Where the other ones, you think, yeah, that's Rambo. So, I don't know, I'm... I don't know, because we both love the last film. We thought it ended perfectly. And it's just... Uh, and again, if if this is a shit film, it's not going to... You know, we've still got the other ones to watch over and over as much as we want. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, take, yeah. yeah. Just please let it be a hard R, at least. Don't don't fuck around with some shit like Expendables 3. I don't think he will. I think he, I do think he's learned his lesson on that. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. Um, I didn't realise, by the way, he was he, he's done the screenplay or current written the screenplay for Creed 2. Yeah, a new trailer came out for that today as well. Oh, is it? I, I think I've seen two different trailers and that's enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sufficiently hyped. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the same I haven't watched. and no. um, Escape Plan 3, by the way, does have a colon subtitle now. Oh, go on. Devil's Station. <laughs> oh, God. Should we, should we say it can't be any worse than number two? It'd have to be, in seriousness, it'd have to be fucking going some to be worse than that. <laughs> it but would. it's not like a case of like, oh, okay, the, the people really enjoyed the Dave Bautista Stallone scenes. Because I thought they were, you know, they were the best bits in it with them two. Mm. But they've already filmed this. So it's just going to be more of the same, I think. Oh, God. I'm going to have to watch it, obviously, but... Yeah, same. Yeah, not looking I'll forward to it. Mm. No. Yeah. Go on then, mate. Over to you. Um, film, I'll stick with films because I um, am just fresh back from seeing the new Halloween. Oh, I've been dying to hear what you've got to say about this. So I've been um, putting myself through the latter sequels in the last few days, um, a long week or so. Um, 
starting with Halloween 6, uh, you know, like Recurse of Michael Myers or Revenge of Michael Myers, whatever that one's called. Hmm. The one from the mid-90s, which is very mid-90s, um, which I didn't think was too bad, actually. Not It's not great, but, you know, it's not awful. It's just boring. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. I did H2O, which hasn't really aged that well, but is fine. That's decent, mm-hmm. H2O. Halloween Resurrection's a piece of shit. Nothing could change that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I did bother with the Rob Zombie ones because they're fucking terrible also. So, so yeah, went in. I was just I've heard a lot of good things, a lot of good things about uh, uh, this new one. And I loved it. Oh, sigh of relief. Yeah. I, yeah, it was I, it was an absolute blast from start to finish. So there's some good nods to the original, but not too many. It was, it's a fucking 18, Dave. Oh, wow, that's good then. Yeah, and yeah, in... For, for good reason, yeah. Some wonderful gore. Jamie Lee Curtis is brilliant in it. Like, it's uh, yeah, it's what you want from this, and it's you know, it's just really of a soundtrack because it's John Carpenter and his oh, sons, um, yeah, his band doing the soundtrack, and yeah, but I, yeah, it's very good the soundtrack and it fits in perfectly, and oh yeah, it's just a blast. It's just a lot of fun, big gory horror fun oh i'm so glad that that's not been a letdown yeah no not at all um, i will say one thing about the soundtrack if you do want to listen to it do not listen to it until you've seen the film because i was warned about this and the track listing is incredibly spoilerific <laughs> literally it's a plot and it tells you what happens in the film because like i'd heard about this and then i looked when i was walking home and i was like wow <laughs> <laughs> this tells you what happens Oh, that's literally, a good heads up then. Literally, characters who die have, you know, track. there's track titles saying, Oh, shit. Farewell. Like, shit like that. It's just like, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's a good tip there, right there, mate. But it's a, yeah, really enjoyable film. Um, and I think my last thing is something I've been watching on Netflix, and a lot of people have been watching this on Netflix, and this is exactly the right month to be watching it, is The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is. Um, Mike Flanagan, who did Gerald's Game on Netflix last year, um, and it re- incredibly hard to adapt Gerald's Game, the Stephen King book, and he did a great job of that. And this is based on the 1959 Shirley Jackson book. Obviously, it's been incredibly updated, and it's absolutely brilliant. It's easily the best TV horror show I can think of in recent memory. Ooh. It's just like one. I saw one tweet somewhere at some points, and I started watching it. It's like imagine American Horror Story was good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's really good, and it's not just as the horror is great, and there's all sort of things like ghosts hidden in the background of scenes, and people are like looking for them and stuff. And it's just really good, really like about the family that a family that's affected by it jumps between the nineties when they're kids, and like when and now like now they're older. And like the effect it had on them and their relationships and all of this, it's really good. Yeah, I have heard really good things about that. And it's funny you should say about the ghosts as well, because I did hear people saying, you know, watch closely in the background. You know, yeah, I've seen a couple. I'm sure I haven't seen them all, but I've just seen a couple, and it freaks you out a little bit. Like they're just there, and it doesn't, <laughs> you know, they don't jump out at you or anything like that. Yeah. Um, no, it's well worth. Um, Stephen King did, um, tweeted about it, saying it was like close to a work of genius. Yeah. So, like, and the next thing this Mike Flanagan's doing is the Shining sequel that, um, based on Stephen King's book, Doctor Sleep. Mm. So that's the next thing he's doing. I was just like, fuck, I didn't realise he was doing that. I can't wait. He's really nailing these at the moment, so. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to dip into that, definitely. 
yeah, it's and, and this is the best time to do it in Halloween month. So yeah. I, but yeah, I believe that's it. Uh-huh. Um, all I have is just just a quick rant, mate. Just a quick <laughs> rant, because <laughs> you know it's been a while since one of them. Um, Instagram related again, you know, surprise, surprise, social media. So, you know, obviously everybody listening, of course, follows the Instagram account. And I forget what photograph it was. But, you know, you know, on Instagram, you've had in the past, you must have seen people put um, like for a like, you know, like, you know, like one of my pictures and I'll like one of yours or that bullshit. For the first time, I put a picture up and somebody, they didn't like the picture or anything, which is fine. I don't give a fuck. But they wrote, they took the time and wrote follow equals like in other words follow them and they will like this picture <laughs> and it was like what the actual fuck are people so obsessed with this arbitrary number of followers that they'll they'll want it to go at one and they, why would i follow somebody who i've got no interest in for the sake of getting a like from somebody who's got no interest in the picture that i posted <laughs> What do people? Is there a lot of people that do this? Because if you do that, if you're listening to this and you do that, you just freaking want to check yourselves, really, because that follow equals like was no. I'll follow who I want to follow if I've got any interest in what they post. I'm not going to follow somebody for the sake of a like on a picture. It's like I can't. Oh, well, I say I couldn't believe it. Unfortunately, I could believe it. Yeah, this is yeah. where. Yeah, this is yeah. sort. Of- Social media. Yeah. Yeah. Stop the world. I want to get off. It was one of them sort of moments. It's like, Jesus, is this the way that we're going? Yeah. I can, I can feel that being, I'm going to go too much into this, but being like on the Eve crew and like, this isn't just wrestling fans, but fan, any fandom on anything, you see the absolute, absolute worst. Yeah. And sometimes it's just like as good as social media is. Sometimes you just like, can we just switch it off? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's we really are getting into like Charlie Brooker Black Mirror territory with some of this. It's you know, you think oh it's not going to go that far, and it's creeping in that it is getting that far. That is just stupid, stupid. If you like something, we'll click like because it's a good picture. And if you want to follow somebody, follow them, but don't do it for the sake of a number on a screen. Oh no. Yeah, grief. Yeah. So shall we? Shall we cleanse our palate by? Um, it'll be you starting it, mate. The first watch film. It, it was your. It was your pick. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back in a minute and uh, we can talk about what film was it you picked? You want to tell everybody what film you picked? As- summer of '84. The sheriff's office reports they're likely looking for a white male. Preferred targets appear to be males aged 12 to 16. It's a serial killer. The Cape May Chronicle received a letter from an individual calling themselves the Cape May Slayer. There's a serial killer on the loose. What else could possibly be this exciting? Incoming titties. 12 o'clock. Guys, Nikki Keshuba. Scientifically the perfect woman. Huh. Better view of my room than I thought. Sweet dreams. Emergency meeting, treehouse. Now, Mackie is the Cape May Slayer. Mackie's a cop with a sick reputation. Wasn't counting on us. That's blood. David. 
Okay, summer of 84 then. It's um, obviously of our new, new format here. We can drift into 80s-related films. We don't have to stick to the decade, films that come out of a decade. So obviously summer of 84 is pretty self-explanatory <laughs> um, because it's set in the summer of 1984. Um, yeah. It's directed by Francois Simard, Anouk Wiesel and Yuan Carl Wiesel, um, who some of you may know, um, who directed Turbo Kid. Yeah, I love Turbo Kid. Of course, was yeah, that was a Blu-ray included in a care package? Yes, you sent me up at one point. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, really enjoy Turbo Kid. So um, I've been sitting on this for a while. Summer of '84, waiting for this month. Um, it was on at Fright Fest, but not the day I uh, day I, um, I went. Um, so you. Your basic plot, well, like, you can sort of guess what this film's about just by looking at the poster. So it's basically coming of age, kids, they've got the summer of school, they suspect their next door neighbour is this serial killer that's been in the news. And yeah, it's, it's and yeah, that's really what it is, mm-hmm. but with a little difference. So um, I liked a lot about this film. Um, I think it nailed the 80s quite well without having to rely on too much you know like let's just bombard the film with music from the 80s probably because they couldn't afford it they did cool uh, uh, (laughs) they did cool summer which was i think just one 80s track was enough yeah yeah but like i think it captured the vibe quite well you know like the kids were like again you know it was quite there's a fat kid there's the geek there's a sort of punk kid and all of that you know it's um yeah quite by the numbers but i think you know they were the their back and forth and all of that was quite good um and you liked them i like well did you did you like these children yeah i didn't find them annoying because you get a lot of these films don't you and the kids are just like so annoying yeah that no matter how brilliant the script could be or the effects or anything the kids piss you off and you don't give oh a yeah shit. that's it yeah that's you, it. you don't give a shit if they live or die do you but no yeah. the, these kids were not annoying which was which would definitely a plus. And I agree what you said about nailing the 80s vibe without overplaying, you know, sort of sign, huge signpost of this yeah. is the 80s. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. It didn't. It was like it just happened to be the 80s and this is happening, not like... Yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, you're going in, you know the film is called Summer of 84, so if you don't know it's set in the 80s by now, yeah. when you walk in to watch it, it's, <laughs> you know, they didn't need to once it's called that. But no. yeah, the, 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 that side of it was really good. I enjoyed that, yeah. Yeah, so it's got like, and you know, it does really hit on like it, like it does it well, but it does really hit on the usual beats of these films because we've seen a lot of these sort of films. Yeah, um, you know, coming of age, eighties. You know, a lot of them were from the eighties. Um, 
even down to like the babe next door who's all you know and the babe next door is always the like a year or two older she's going off oh, to college yeah. and he's he fancies her and you know that you know obviously isn't there's nothing ever going to happen you know you know where it's going to go so a lot of it was something was all stuff that we've we've seen before but it was done well but i was waiting for something different to happen i don't know about you were you were you just expecting it to play out as a normal film like this or were you just because it's the guys who did turbo kid which was quite yeah. different as well yeah. were you expecting something else yeah i think yeah not only with that with them doing turbo kid which like you said is is really different I was expecting something else. Now I don't know how far we can go with spoilers in with these ones. If I, I think if, in this case we pretty, pretty deep because <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to talk about the end. Um, okay, the last then, yeah, okay. So a lot. So, so um, spoilerific. If you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, you're warned now. Yeah, this yeah. I Yeah, so I was expecting something different, and I was waiting for whatever it was that was going to happen and me and tina sat and we were sort of throwing theories out of um because they think this that you know the this guy next door is is has been abducting and and, and killing kids don't they and then so we're watching it and i was going no it's not him he's not done it he's not done it it's it's the girl next door because they made a point of saying at the beginning of the movie that she was one of the other lads' babysitter from a few years ago. And the the kids that are going missing, I think they're all aged between, is it like 10 and 15 or something like that? Yeah. And I was like coming up with a story. It's like, oh, yeah, it's her, something happened when she was babysitting. So now she's got this thing about kids that are between this and that age. Um, and then that obviously didn't play out. And because they thought it was the guy, which... It, turned out it was that guy i found that there was there was not enough tension in it that there could have been because you're yeah, waiting for something yeah and there's just like well you know it's him and there's there's nothing else where you're sort of thinking oh that might happen this might happen my my main bugbear with it mate is that the female character in it you know the older girl next door yeah you could have and this is on one view and i'd like to watch it again just to see if this would play out but from that one viewing i could have sworn you could have completely written her character out and it would have made no difference yeah it's almost as if she was there because these films have the older girl next door that you exactly. fancy yeah yeah she didn't then, you know she didn't do anything you know that's i thought no, no, that, just like just have a girl in the gang you know that's like, exactly that's what tina said just have her as a gang member would be yeah she's just in a gang but like yeah. these you know it's it seemed very St- stuck to the rules of like these films like oh there's got to be the the, the the girl he lusts after and you know he she you know gives him a kiss at the end and stuff and that's that does him because he's too young to want anything more he's not gonna well he doesn't want to have sex with her does he so mm. um um but yeah the like i you saying about throwing theories out i was just like well the most obvious thing when i was watching it the most obvious thing is that he didn't do it the neighbour and yeah. it got, I should mention my neighbor's also a cop, and it's some I don't know. Is it like I didn't really I didn't start trying to think of other you know like the parents or the girl next door or anything like that about who could have done it. It's like well the most obvious thing is it's not him, and then I was just like well maybe it's it is him, but there's something else, and it's going to go into some sort of like 
monster thing or some shit. He's some, yeah, you know, yeah. There's, there's, there's going to be a twist if it is him. Yeah. So, um, so the twist is that it is him um, <laughs> because uh, and they get away. Um, the kids get away and they're able to tell the police, and the police go and um, so like, okay, they've an APB out for him, and I'm just like. Okay, there's a good twenty minutes left in this film. What's you know, um, and you know the kid's branded a hero, and that's it. And he goes to sleep, and I'm just like, okay, there's like twenty minutes left. I'm not really sure where this is going, or if it's got time to go where it should. You know, like it's not, and that's twenty minutes of credit. I'm like, whatever they're gonna do, they've got not a lot of time to do this in. Yeah. Uh, so he's been the the the, the next door neighbor's been hiding up in the attic, and he comes down and he ducks. Uh, the main lad and the fat kid, the fat friend. Yeah. And he kills a fat friend, quite gruesomely kills a fat friend, which was like, oh, okay. And then he doesn't kill the main kid and tells him like he will come back for him at some point um, in his life and he's always going to be looking over his shoulder, etc. And he gets away with it. Hmm. That And it's it's different. Yeah, it is And different. it's a very downbeat ending because if one of her friend's dead, the girl goes off to college, and, like, the other two friends are seemingly not talking to the lad anymore. Yeah. You know, they're, they're angrily, I don't know what they were doing, like, at the end, like, throwing stuff out of the house and stuff. And I'm like, it was different, but was it different enough? Was it enough to, like... Mm, no. No, it wasn't. I felt there was... And don't get me wrong, I, I was I was never bored while watching it. You know, it it kept my interest, but I always wanted that little bit more. There was always something missing from it all the way through. Yeah. And like you said, when you got to that last 20 minute section, it was, oh, no, you you did, you, I guess, well, yeah, you could call it a little bit of a twist in a, in a way that, you know, oh, I'm not killing you. I'm just going to get you one day and you're going to have to live your life looking over your shoulder. But it's still... I wanted more than it gave me is is the point. And I think yes. from what you've said, it's it did exactly the same thing with you. It did exactly the same thing with Tina when she was watching it with me. We just wanted more from it. It, it would just left us. It was lacking in, yeah. in it something. So, it was so by the numbers all the way through it, all the beats of these sort of films that I was, I, I just wanted more than that as the ending and i'm like i will always remember it. it's like oh yeah it's that one where he gets away the killer just gets away with it and you know ruins the kid's life long term mm-hmm. i'll always remember it for that but i will also also remember it it just wasn't enough it's just like like i enjoyed i really enjoyed it the whole way through like the kids are great and you know it was you know, like funny when it had to be funny and it's scary and it had to be scary and all of that but the problem is it was just recite it was just a very generic coming of age 80s you know, my next door neighbor's a killer thing, but it just wasn't yeah. enough that ending. Yeah, I don't it, know whether it'd have just been better just to have him caught, and you know, they they caught, like how every one of these films end, they catch him or he dies or what have you. Yeah, because there's not that there's just not that big finish. It was like, well, okay, so we, now we know it's him. Give us this really big finish, and it just never materialised. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, like, you know, it's like I suppose you know effort you know effort badge for you know trying something new but at the same time like yeah yeah and it's unfortunate as well because like everything now with kids in 
that's set in the 80s it gets compared to Stranger Things just because that was, you know, everybody oh, watched yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I, I, I was thinking more It while I was watching it, to be honest. I think it is, yeah, it is more It, but I've seen people going on about, oh, yeah, it's it's so-and-so with Stranger Things and this, that and the other. It has got more of an It vibe about it, yeah. um, but not as good as It. Yeah, it, like maybe that's why I was thinking maybe a monster or something, or maybe because I had It, you know, it was very yeah. Yeah, well, Strange Things has monsters as well, but um, yeah, maybe that's why it was like, I was just thinking. But like, I don't know. I'm not saying a monster would be the greatest, you know, thing for it, but just yeah, it was just a bit like when I was watching it when it was actually happening, and he's like, you, you know, kill the friend. Like when you kill the friend, I was like, fucking hell. Oh yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it, it did its job in that in that instant of it happening, you know, and him giving a threat, and I was just like, shit, is he just? getting away with it and then it finished i was like well that probably wasn't worth a wait <laughs> so um, uh, but I'm, I'm keen to see what these guys do next because you know like a lot of, there was a lot of good in, and, re- and it was really well made and it was you know as you say never a dull moment but yeah hmm. but yeah I, I look forward to their next film yeah me too me too um so first time watch is it worth a rewatch in the future. Oh, yeah, I can't. I've sort of like you, you. You think like, oh, do I want to watch again? Just see if there's anything else there, like hidden in there, you mm. know, like with here with a neighbour and stuff like that. Like, but I wouldn't rush. I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I wouldn't rush to. Yeah, I, I would. I would be the same. I wouldn't rush to. And like you know, I said earlier with the the female part in it, it would be interesting to watch it just to see if you really could completely write her character <laughs> out because. From what I remember, she didn't. She didn't really progress the the story at all. No, she. She was the you know, like you said, the token older girl crush that lives next yeah. door and gets spied on while she's in a bedroom while undressing. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That happens a lot in these sort of films. So. <laughs> but yeah, that's a fair. Yeah, I'm just, I know I'm being a dead horse, but yeah, just like when they're doing it that to the letter with these sort of films, and then not doing anything different enough at the end, it's like oh. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. So probably probably a rewatch from us both a long time in the future if we had to, but yeah. Not if we'd got other stuff that we wanted to watch first. Yeah. <laughs> is is a long-winded way of saying it. <laughs> uh probably a long-winded way of saying it, it it would have been a thumbs in the middle, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, old school, yeah, yeah. like if we were doing it's, the old films. I would give it, like, because I, like, do the letterboxed thing now and I rate the give a film for films of the star. I'd give it a three-star film. Because yeah. everything, you know, is absolutely fine, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's one of Noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but noise is, uh, is the quote from Tom that should be on all the posters now. But noise. Uh, <laughs> right, on to, uh, on to our rewatch then, which is my choice, and Angel Heart. The Exorcist, the possession of the human soul. Chinatown, the mystery of the human mind. Now. Do you know what today today is? Today is Wednesday. It's anything can happen today. interest in Johnny is only in finding out if he's alive or if he's dead. You want me to check it out? Check it out. 
Who are you? I'm just a guy who was paid to snoop around. I'm gonna ask you again. Where is he? I don't know. Harry Angel has been hired to solve more than a mystery. He's dead, Mr. Angel. And if he isn't, he is to me. Are you afraid? Yeah, I'm afraid. To find more than a killer. We don't go around murdering people, all right, Mr. Angel? The Prince of Darkness protects the powerful. You expect me to swallow that? And it may cost him more than his life. Some religions think that the egg is the symbol of the soul. Did you know that? All I know is Johnny's running around bumping off everyone he used to know. And more and more, it's me who's on the line for it. Johnny's favorite was as close to true evil as she ever wanted to come. There's death everywhere these days. You killed them. You're trying to pin it on me. The flesh is weak. Only the soul is immortal. Did you kill him? I got a You gotta burn for this angel. You gotta burn for this angel. In hell, now, now, Harry Angel has been hired to search for the truth. Pray he doesn't find it. Angel Heart. Right, the rewatch, as I said uh, a minute ago, Angel Heart, 1987. We're actually in the 80s on this one. Uh, a 7.3 on IMDb. Pretty healthy score. Yeah. The, yeah, the short synopsis on there is a private investigator is hired by a man who calls himself Louis Cipher to track down a singer named Johnny Favourite. But the investigation takes an unexpected and sombre turn. Uh... I remember watching this on video way back when, mate. Do you know when your first watch of this was? Oh, this was um, years and years ago. But um, on DVD, I sort of remember the. I can vaguely remember the. It was one of those short, cheap. I think it was like a Carlton Cinema DVD of it, like those shitty grey cases. Oh God! And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that Angel Heart? Yeah, um, yeah. Long, t- long, long time ago, though. Yeah. Over a decade, like about 15 years, maybe. Yeah. And I remember enjoying it. I should preface it for that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I remember enjoying it. And I'd say probably maybe a conservative guess would be, I bet I haven't seen it in like 20 years. Right. Mm, it must be that long. So a long, long time. I've forgotten loads about it. Uh, directed by Alan Parker, uh, Mickey Rourke in a leading role, Robert De Niro, who is in it, Far less than I remember him being yes. in it. Isn't... Yeah, like, <laughs> when the credits come up and it said, like, and featuring or whatever it said for De Niro, I was just like, wasn't he in this the whole way through? Yeah. No. It's not. It's, it's like, oh. Five scenes? Yeah. We've got, oh, we've got Bob for a day's filming. Let's get those scenes done with him. And it was. It seemed like one of those jobs, didn't it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that was surprising when I was rewatching it. It's just like, wow, he's not in this a lot. He's not. So Slap again, a wiggle at the end, just make it look as if it's <laughs> a different day. Um, the look of it surprised me as well. I And Tina didn't agree with me on this when we watched it. It gave me a vibe of 
a really sort of low budget, even though, I mean, it cost, I looked on Box Office Mojo earlier and it cost, it said the budget for it was $17 million. Fucking hell. Yeah. And that was in 1987. How much is that? It's Rock and De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably like 80% at least. It looked, it looked, I think it looked nice. I don't know if it looked like, I wouldn't say low budget, but I can definitely see where you're coming from. It didn't look like... Yeah. There were there were no lavish sets or anything like no, that. No, it reminded me. I was looking at it and I kept thinking of of all films, Rawhead Rex, and I don't know why that <laughs> one, but it did. With just the look, and I thought, oh, I don't remember it having this sort of look to it. And it didn't set the box office on fire when it was released either. It no. took it took in America. It took its money back. It took back seventeen million dollars in America. Yeah, I'm not overly surprised. It's a bit. Yeah. I yeah. Don't know. It is. It's not. It's a bit like I was saying about the Suspiria remake. It's like this is a horror film, te- but you know it's quite long-winded. And it's yeah, not I mean, with gore. Yeah, and then for mainstream, it's like well, it's not a case of it being there being shocking moments like Suspiria, but I don't know, like mainstream audiences, it's a bit arty. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it is. and it is. You know, it's seven minutes short, two hours long. It's not a short film. And like you said, it's not action-packed and, or, you know, the, you've got whiz-bang effects. Going on, uh, the story at times can seem a little bit convoluted. It is one yes. of those where you do get more out of it on a rewatch. Uh, but the way that it twists into... I mean, there's simple things. Here's a good question for you then, mate. Louis Cipher. Lucifer. This, like... Like I knew this was this is like his name. I don't know. It's, yeah, he's called Louis Cipher. Yeah. And like when Mickey Rock's given the case, I was I'm just like, wasn't he? You know, shouldn't he? Like anyone would click. <laughs> and you see it with that. And then like when the guy introduces him, he says uh, Louis Cipher, or, or he actually he said it really sounds like Lucifer. <laughs> it really sounds like Lucifer. And then, like later on, he's like, like later in the film, like right near the end, he's just like, he says, "Oh, you know, like what a sort of, you know, bad attempt to cover up Lucifer that was." I was just like, "Mate, well, you didn't click, did you?" <laughs> Couldn't, like it was written down in front of you. Someone literally said Lou, yeah. Louis Siffer. Yeah, yeah, that was it. They said Louis Siffer. Yeah, and it's like, well, that's your own fault, is it? <laughs> It'd have been good, like if it had said, "Oh, you know, my mates call me Beelzebub," something like that, just like to really try and put it in the faces. Um, but this, this all—it, I mean, the whole religion thing is thrown all the way through. You know, the shots of the Bible, uh, Mickey Rourke's character Harry, Angel. So you know, you've got the good against the evil kind of thing going on. Uh, I should say as well that when we started watching it. Um, I'm just trying to bring up Tina's comment. It was a three-word comment because she went, "Oh, angel heart." Uh, here you go. Oh, angel heart, boobs, fingering, and voodoo is what she associates with angel heart. And uh, yeah, we do get boobs, fingering, and voodoo. Um, mm. But you don't get a lot else. You do. Uh, you do. Uh, setting, there's largely you setting. You do get a lot of you do get oh, a lot sorry, of, Dave, you do get a lot of plot. You do get a lot of plot. You do yes. get you do get a lot of stuff to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it depends. It depends what you want from the film, really. 
it is it is what it is and it is very plot heavy and tries to be i think at times a little bit cleverer than it actually is do you yes yeah do you think that too yeah i would yeah i would agree with that it's just like i i remember enjoying it but like i like mickey rourke in it and i'm very happy it's not mumblecore mickey rourke yeah it was because Mickey, I was just yeah. like going, you know, I was just like, oh, I better not be one of those where he's just fucking mumbling all the way through it. <laughs> I can't hear what he says. Um, and I, De Niro was good when he's, you know, like it's quite a, not an iconic De Niro role, but it's, you know, it's for, like I mentioned it to someone at work today, and he goes, oh, yeah, with her fingernails and the egg rolling. So, like, you remember <laughs> De Niro in it. Yeah. Um, that's the special effects, his fingernails. Um, and it's just a bit plodding and laborious for a lot of it yeah you know what mate i think i would use those two words too again like to, mirroring um summer page four there's a lot to like in it oh yeah yeah but we just went on a bit and like by the time we got to you know we got to the end i was just like i'm not sure how much i care anymore i remembered the mm. the twist and all of that it, he's the, the the musician and yeah. all of that I'm just like, oh yeah, that's just a twist, wasn't it? Hmm. <laughs> um, I really liked the sex scene, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to sound like I'm not in a pervy way, but you know, with the blood, I just thought it looked great. The yeah. blood and like it was just like, you know, Mickey Rourke in the eighties, properly like, no, no, let's do it for real. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> or, or tried to. It looked very realistic. Um, yeah. You got very angry and screamy and stuff, and then like, oh, oh it's your daughter. <laughs> Let's mm. not get into that. <laughs> but um, no, I just like really liked how that was shot, and like the blood and the, you know, like every, all the it, how fucked up it all was. I really enjoyed. I was just like, man, I wish more of a film was like that. Yeah. Not like I want two hours of like Mickey Rourke having sex and his bum waving about in the screen in <laughs> HD. But you know, it's like just just more. It just it looked it was great. That scene was so good and. Um, yeah, but the rest, like, it was just so slow. Yeah, I think that's the main thing with it. Because there is, like you said, there's a lot to like in it. Yeah. And it has sort of built up even more of a following since it was released, you know, like over 30 years ago. But it is, it is, yeah, again, those two words that you use, mate, plodding and laborious, I did find it that. I didn't want to find it that. Uh, no. My memories of it were of it being more than that. And not as as slow as it was. Uh, is it because you know we're in a different age now in films? You know, just the the pace of films are a lot, as a, as a general rule, are a lot quicker and that. But you could you could have trimmed this down to a good well, even if you trimmed it down to like ninety minutes and just snapped things up a little bit. But hmm, oh, yeah. I think those sounds say a lot. Ooh, uh, uh. yeah, just stop making noises, shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's just. It was just like a lot of it is just Mickey Rourke has conversations with people. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good. Lot. It is good in it. I mean, I like. I do like Mickey Rourke, and this is yeah. Uh, back when he had you know his own face, as it was. Yeah, yeah. He went back when he looked like Mickey Rourke. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing with Mickey Rourke, though, isn't it? Like, man. And he even have a second chance with a wrestler and all of that. Yeah. And he's just like, God, well, he doesn't even do straight to video stuff now. I don't know what he does. I, I don't know what, 
what's he doing now? He was in he was in a movie at Grimfest, mate. Um, it was Jesus. Yeah, an, uh, an anthology movie called Oh Nightmare Cinema. A man with a fucked up face. Yeah, and he, yeah, <laughs> and I think it was one of yeah it was one of the producers that was there after it was shown and was doing a Q and A, and they said they got like Mickey Rourke for a few days because it's it's Mickey Rourke is the cinema projectionist in this film, and oh, it's right. it's the the cinema and his character where all the other stories sort of revolve around. Oh, okay, yeah. And it said that like Mickey came in and created his own character. It's like you know he said oh this character needs to wear a leg brace and he walks with a stick and he does this that, and the other and um he said he was very professional he wasn't difficult to work with um but yeah he, he definitely doesn't need much prosthetic work if he if he's doing horror films now because he yeah it's such you know like the thing like mickey rourke he was just you know he was like on top of a world in the 80s and stuff and then mm-hmm. it all just fucked up for him and then you know like he came back and um, was it? What way? Oh yeah, didn't he do Stallone the favor by being in Get Carter? Was it Get Carter? He was yeah, Get Carter. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah that was and he was do- that was when he was still kind of, you know, on you know, before his decline. Yeah, and and then Stallone ended up doing him a favor by putting him in the Expendables, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. And then obviously he did the wrestler, and then like Oscar nominations and all sorts, and then. And then... He did Iron Man. Fucking hell, he did one of the Iron Man films. He's part from Marvel Cinema. <laughs> he did, yeah. He did like, Iron Man 2, yeah. He's just like, man, he has he get a better agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and now he looks like he spent all that money on making himself look... Because he was a boxer for a while as well. Yeah, wasn't? he was, yeah. And he, he didn't look as if he'd been punched in the face too many times before then, but he fucking does now, so... He does, yeah. Oh, Mickey Rourke. Oh, so dear. much talent, just... That scene in Expendables, he's in. He's so good. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. oh, oh, was, never mind. Was this worth a rewatch, then, mate? It was definitely worth a rewatch. Yeah, um, it was not as good as I remember it. Bluntly, mm-hmm. um, how about you? Yeah, exactly the same. Uh, yeah, it, it was worth a rewatch, but sadly disappointing from my memories of it admittedly which were like 20 odd years ago i don't think i'd watch it again no i don't think i would no no which is a shame which is a shame when you've got you've got a memory for film being like oh yeah that was really good and when you said angel hearts oh god i've watched that years i can't wait to see that again and uh, yeah just got a bit bored (laughs) yeah um we did we did put the question out on our twitter if people have got any comments or questions about Summer of 84 or Angel Heart. And good old Frederick in Sweden, uh, he's give us three questions. Uh, mm-hmm. Question number one, I haven't seen Angel Heart in 30 years. Is it worth a rewatch now? Well, I think, oh. we, I think we just answered that one. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yes and no. No, well, we didn't think it was as good, but like it's worth watching to see. Yeah. You know. Like, if there's nothing else to watch, I guess. Yeah, and again... To watch it again, but, you know... Yeah, if he hasn't seen it in that amount of time, it is worth a rewatch. Just don't go in with, like, high expectations. You may you may love it, I mm, guess. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good. If, if you do watch it, Frederick, let us know. Let us know what you think. Uh, question two. Is Summer of 84 as good as Turbo Kid? I haven't had the chance to watch it myself yet. No, is the no. short answer. Yeah. But I don't know if God... You should probably watch it, but yeah, 
Hopefully we, you've, you've skipped past all the spoilery stuff we've been talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, I agree again, mate. It's not it's not as good as Turbo Kid. I was uh, reading up um, though. The next film they are doing is Turbo Kid Two. So oh oh uh, yeah well, okay so I'm, uh, yeah I'm pumped for that one. That'll be good. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully it'll be good. Uh, and question three: If he hadn't messed up his face with boxing and bad plastic surgery, <laughs> would would Mickey Rourke still be able to pull off roles like the wrestler and Expendables? Uh, yeah, yeah, he absolutely. Would do. Yeah, you know you can't, you can't stop talent, and mm-hmm. he's really good, but so many bad decisions. Yeah, so very many. Yeah. But yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah, he'd definitely be able to pull off Guardian, those you, roles. Frederick just mentions two films that came out quite close to each other in the early noughties. And man, the eighties stuff he did. You know, eighties and early nineties, like so, so many good films there. And oh just, yeah, I mean, when he did nine and a half weeks, it was like this. Oh god, yeah. Uh, and body heat and all of that. He was like all through the eighties. He was like this huge sex symbol, wasn't he? You know, it's and he he got the talent to go with the looks as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm. A shame. Yeah. So, yeah, the the two the two ones we picked, the first watch and the rewatch, were both sort of middling ground, really, weren't they? Yeah. It's, no, nothing's it's blown we, us away. I think we completely agreed on every single point the other has made about both films tonight. We did. We did. Bloody hell, that's unusual, isn't it? it certainly is. Certainly yeah. Is. Oh, okay then. Will it will it happen with the two picks that we've got for the next one? So. <sighs> As always, we'll go with the uh, the first watch first. So it's my turn to pick the first watch. Now, the 80s link for this, because this, uh, this film was made in 1991. The 80s link is good old Stuart Chapin from, hey. from Shotgun. Now, again... Oh, no. oh wait, I just realised what this is. <laughs> Why did I cheer? He's been on Prime again. <laughs> I've been on Amazon Prime. Uh, and you can thank Tina for this, mate, because she found it and brought it to my attention. And I said, oh, my God, this is going to be my uh, first viewing pick. Because it's got Stuart in it. And again, if you're not familiar with the background and me and Tom and his picture house, the shows that we did with Stuart Chapin and the whole story of, of Stuart, please go and search those shows and that story out and search out Shotgun as well and go and watch Shotgun um, because you will not be disappointed. He's in it, um, although when you look at the cast listing, he is listed as just a guard. So I expect <laughs> his appearance to be fleeting to say the least. Uh, There is also another 80s connection in it, mate, and another one that's really close to us because it's directed by Fred Olin Ray, and we interviewed him. He was one of our interview shows, so there's another connection to the 80s. Um, Yeah, Wizards of the Demon Sword, 1991. Uh, I'm just going to see what the IMDb rating is. I'm not going to read out the synopsis. I'll save that for the November show. Uh, But it is currently a 2.3 on IMDb and and if so if anybody wants to watch it before we record the November show and wants to either email or tweet us any comments about it it is uh, at least here in the UK it's on Amazon Prime so you can watch it there that's how we're going to watch it and if anyone wants to watch it on my behalf and just email (laughs) me some quotes (laughs) Uh, it is only 80 minutes so you know I guess if it is not too good there is that to it but yeah well i haven't seen it and that just brings me to my uh, 
and I haven't actually said to you what it is yet. You haven't? No. I don't know if you've seen it before. Oh, God. So this is where you go, and I go, <laughs> I've never seen that. <laughs> okay, so I've got I, I will, I've got a backup, a similarly themed... Okay. Or a, a similar-ish backup. So okay. this one is my first pick, and okay. I'm hoping you've seen it. Oh, dear. So it is from the 80s. Okay. It is from 1986. Yeah. Um, and after you've picked... Your, as you've gone trawling in Amazon Prime again, I think I've at least try and class up the joint a little bit. <laughs> um, and it's a uh, a film by the director Neil Jordan. Yeah. The Crying Game in the nineties, and it's um, starring. Uh, well, when I say for three people, you'll know what it is if you've seen it. Is uh, Michael Caine, Kathy Tyson, and Bob Hoskins? Oh, um, oh uh, yes. And it is. Go on. Mona Lisa. Yes, I have seen it, but not again for quite a long time, mate. A long this time. This is a film I what I won't get into too much into it, but I like I watched for the first time a few years ago and absolutely loved. So, and I've been me. I keep looking at my box set. I've got a box set of that and Longer Friday in a uh, box set together. For I, I put it out a few years ago. I've got to watch Mona Lisa again. So this is my excuse to watch Mona Lisa again. Oh again, yeah. And I'm glad this can be a rewatch because I've I'd have just gone for longer Friday if not because I'm sure you'd have seen that. But no, Mona yeah. Lisa it is. Oh, good right. on me. Yeah, classy, yeah. classing up the joint with Neil Jordan and, and <laughs> going to the depths. Yeah, with your two point three. With my two point three wizards of the demon sword. Wizard sleeve. Uh, yeah, well, with a Fred Olin Ray film, it could well be. We just don't know. Fred do Olin we? Ray and Neil Jordan. What, what other podcast would come up there in the same episode? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting, to say the least. Um, okay. Right. Um, that sort of brings us to the end. Is there anything uh, you want to add before we get out of here, mate? Well, no. I'm, I'm just impressed that, like, considering how much I had to talk about and your rants and we covered both films quite well this week this week this month hmm. we're coming under the 90 minutes we have we have coming under the 90 minutes um yeah which is good i think we, we've got it timed pretty well yeah yeah i thought it would i thought honestly thought it would just go over because of how much stuff at the top but uh, hmm. no good yeah. good yeah right good. <laughs> <laughs> uh as always it's good. good for 10 more minutes to yeah just to, like, to pad out the time <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go to the website, 60minuteswith.co.uk, send us an email, contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, um, at 60minuteswith. I should say, because uh, this show is going to go out this weekend, a week today is recording, I bugger off on my NFL trip. So, oh, yes. yeah, the the website and our Twitter will be closing down for two weeks However, our Instagram account will be staying open because I'll be putting pictures up of uh, my American travels. I should hope so too. So, yeah, everybody um, listening and follows us on social media, keep a close eye on our Instagram account from the 26th of October until the something of November, 3rd, 4th. Second, I don't know. I'm there for Halloween as well. So oh, no. oh wow, yes, yeah. So there'll Halloween be some... yeah. Your old... This is like the ultimate bucket list trip for you. Oh yeah, I mean this is this is a trip 36 years in the making. 
So um, I am taking my audio recorder. So I do intend to do sort of a a sort of travel log show about it. As long yeah, as, really yeah, I mean, hopefully I should get enough interesting stories and talk to enough interesting people while I'm there to make a really good show. Um, so fingers crossed that happens. I mean, if if I don't, well, then obviously there won't be a show, but <laughs> hopefully there will be. But yeah, just to let everybody know that the website and Twitter will be shut down for a couple of weeks. Follow us on Instagram and uh, th- I can guarantee there will be some interesting photos on there during those two weeks. Um, and then now we can get out of here, mate. Um, what's your plan for this evening then? I'm going to have something to eat and um, half oh, 20 past eight, probably watch one or both. I've got two episodes of The Haunting of Hill House left, so I might finish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, that's my plan for the evening, I guess. I've got quite a bit left, so yeah, Haunting of Hill House and something else. I don't know. Watching stuff. What about you? Yeah, I think I'll squeeze a movie in. Watch a movie. Got quite a few to watch. So, yeah, I'm not sure. There's always always too much to watch. There is always too much to watch, that's for sure. Um, Right, thank you, everybody that's listening. Um, Me and Tom are going to bugger off, as always. I'm going to say goodbye first and leave Tom to close the show because that's always the awkward part. Uh, Yeah, and I'm going to struggle to say goodbye. Um, Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to prepare for next month. I'm going to prepare it all. A speech. Yeah. <laughs> a goodbye farewell speech. speech. A farewell speech. A farewell. Farewell, this November show that you will have ready for you. <laughs> <laughs>